Are you ready to know your worth and identity in the body of Christ? Are you ready for kingdom conversations with kingdom people? Welcome to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I'm your host, Kayla McCall, and I will be guiding you through the word with preaching and teaching and empower you to know who you are in Christ Jesus. Hello and welcome in to the Recovery to Recovered podcast. I am so pumped for today for episode 24 today on the Recovery to Recover podcast. I got my good friend, Pastor Jason Daldrill on the show with me today. He also has a podcast on the Charisma Podcast Network called the Jason Daldrill Podcast. And so what's going on, brother, man? It's so pumped to have you on with me today. Man, just honored to be here, bro. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for doing an amazing job getting the word out there. Yes, sir, man. You too. You too, man. It's an, it's an honor to have you with us today, man. I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, man. You are, you know, a good friend of mine. I look up to you. We actually pastor there in the same city. And, uh, you know, we, we were just having a conversation yesterday, man, and, and uh, talking the kingdom and talking about what's going on uh, in the church and in the body right now. And man, uh, we just, we just said, man, we got to, we got to jump on and talk about this. We've been trying to get together for a couple of weeks anyway. So I'm just uh, excited for the show today. You guys pay attention to what it said. This man hears from God and he's a man of integrity and uh, I'm just honored to have him on the show. So Jason, why don't you tell our, our listeners a little bit about yourself, man, and what you're doing these days, where you come from, how you grew up so they can get, get to know you if they don't already know you. Yeah, man. Well, uh, again, it's an honor to be with you, Pastor Caleb. And um, a couple of things, you know, I think back to um, the Heart Foundation. I think back to the Road Warriors. I think back to all these dynamic tag team duos Mm. in wrestling history. (laughs) And uh, I feel like the Lord said to reach Shelbyville, I'm going to have a tag team. Uh, So I appreciate having you in my corner, man, and and us getting to do this in Shelbyville together. It's fun to do. And I'm excited to see what God's going to do, not only through Gateway, um, but also through Canvas, um, you know, Shelbyville and your leadership over there. And so, uh, yeah, a little bit about myself. I grew up in uh, in Jasper, Alabama, which is about we love Jesus and the Crimson Tide, man. I knew we were supposed to roll together. So that's right. That's right. uh, So I grew up Jasper, Alabama, about 45 minutes northwest of Birmingham. had incredible encounters with God, called the ministry, preached at 15, ended up going to Lee University. Uh, there was some zigging and zagging during that time. So a lot of, a little more zigging than zagging sometimes, but uh, <laughs> the Lord was faithful to keep me. Um, oh, man. Pastoring here in Shelbyville will be 10 years next year. Um, mm. So it's been, awesome. been quite a ride. We've seen uh, God do really some incredible things that have blown my mind here. And just to be a part of it, I'm, I'm truly honored and have an amazing team, amazing family. I've got my wife, Sylvia, my two boys, I've got Trevin and Samuel and, uh, man, we're just excited about what God's doing and, and honored to, uh, to partner with you and other pastors in this region to see the kingdom expand, man. It's incredible, man. It's incredible. Yeah. I wanted to, wanted to say this real quick, you know, you kind of beat me to the punch there, but man, I'm just, I'm so thrilled, you know, to be, you know, I'm actually from Chevyville and Manchester back and forth. I have a ministry in Manchester, of course, with our listeners knowing be the Bush recovery ministries and Miriam house, and now I'm pastoring back in my hometown. I was in Manchester on the weekends, and then I grew up in Shelbyville. So to get to come back, it's just been an honor to be there in church planning and pastoring there. We've been there about 10 weeks now. And man, your support, man, you know, has just been incredible uh, for me spiritually, just practically having another leader, an incredible leader, um, you know, pour into me and be willing to invest in me as a young pastor, 
um, it's kingdom over competition, right? And, oh, man, uh, you know, the, I, I know your heart for the kingdom and, and that's uh, incredible because you don't get that everywhere. Um, and, you know, I just want to publicly thank you for, for your heart for the kingdom, your heart for the region of the Middle Tennessee region. Um, you know, not even being from here, but having a heart for this region like you do, man, and wanting to see revival and wanting to see the kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, man, you know, it's just incredible. And so I commend you and I thank you for having that type of spirit and having that, that type of heart, man. So uh, I want to jump into our, our next little question here uh, and talk about it real quick is, uh, you know, this is the Recovery to Recovered podcast. So we talk a lot about recovery in the church and do interviews and I preach and I teach. And we always, you know, if we do an interview, I, I want folks to know that there is a place for people who are in the recovery process um, in the church. That's why the, the the podcast is named Recovery to Recovered. I believe there's a road to recovery, but it ends on a street called Redeemed, right? Come on, bro. And, uh, you know, I'm trying not to preach, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know, it's... It's so important for for these folks to know that they can they have a place at the church. And so, tell me what you 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 feel like or what you've seen when it comes to recovery in the church and what that looks like. What are y'all doing as a church? An incredible church there in Shelbyville. Um, I think y'all have had up to what fifteen hundred members or fifteen hundred in your services. Yeah, at one yeah time about thirteen for- about thirteen hundred active. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, as far as recovery, man. First of all. Um, you know, I, I want to, we're both honoring people. So there's gonna be a lot of honor going back and forth here. Um, but I want to honor you for what you do, man, not only with the intentionality of your ministry, but man, with the power of your testimony, um, just, you know, be sitting here today, leading a podcast, leading a church, leading so many other ministries and leading your family as someone that, that Jesus radically and miraculously saved. And, and you walk in, you know, the power and authority of the Holy spirit, man. So I, I just honor you for what you're doing with that. Um, and thank you for having a heart for those that are in recovery. I, a lot of my family um, are in the recovery you know, process. Um, I don't think you know this, but my niece uh, and my nephew both died from heroin. Um, and so lost both of them. And so it's, it's something that hits really, uh, really deep with me. Um, I remember um, a couple of years ago, I had a, a father in my church that sent me a text message. It was a video of his son who was wigging out, you know, on drugs and mm-hmm. flopping around in the floor. And, and I remember I sat there all night and I wept and I cried and I cried and I cried. And, mm-hmm. and I thought to myself, like, I'm failing them. I'm failing them. And, and, uh, because I think everything that trained me to be a pastor didn't train me for recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, I was taught like, let's, let's have a moment in the altar. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would see people that would come up with tears in their eyes and we would pray and man, that'd be in the power of God. And, and I saw times where people got up and they walked away and they never touched it again because they had this moment. But uh, more times than that, I've seen people get up from a moment and then because they didn't have someone around them to walk it out with them, they, uh, they would fall back into old habits and old crowds. Yeah. So um, we prayed into about what to do. Uh, Tara Boyce here in, in town also has a powerful testimony. She came to me and, and we talked about doing a celebrate recovery. So we do a celebrate recovery every Thursday night at six 30, it's a group. Then they have small groups outside of that. And I don't think it's Incredible. a silver bullet. I don't think anything's a silver bullet, but, but I mean, I think that other than Jesus, um, I think that uh, just doing something intentional. So people aren't walking through it alone mm-hmm. and letting them understand to get to the root of why they do what they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and to help really establish and find their identity in Christ is a, is a big thing. 
Um, and to, to say I've got it figured out, I don't, but man, we're sure in the, in the journey trying to figure this thing out to do the best we can. Yeah, man, that that's incredible. You know, when people, you know, you hear that word recovery and there's just this stigma with it, but in the church, I want the church to understand what recovery looks like. You know what it simply is. It's discipleship, brother. Yeah. It's what you just mentioned right now. These people need somebody to wrap their arm around them and do life with them. Yes. Like, you know, the Holy ghost comes in and touches people all the time and they get delivered. But guess what happens? They got seven demons waiting on them. As soon as they walk out of the door, trying to come back into their life, you know? So you've got to walk with these people. You've got to love these people and disciple them and teach them Jesus. Jesus didn't say go out into the world, get people to raise their hand at the end of their service with their heads bowed and eyes closed and ask Jesus into their heart. Right. He said, he said, go out and make disciples. And I'm not, I'm not, um, uh, discrediting that I I'm a pastor. We, we do that at church. That's a Norway. We, 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 right. We try to encourage people, um, to say yes to the gospel because if they can ever just say yes, um, the proofs in the pudding of what can happen in their life, you know? So, um, you know, and I, I want you to talk about this real quick and then we'll jump into the next segment, but spirit, the spirit filled atmosphere, man, you know, we can't get away from that either. We was talking about it before we jumped on, man. You want to see an attic change. I'm, I'm just being real. You got to have a spirit filled atmosphere. They need the Holy ghost. Am I right? <laughs> Bro, I need the Holy ghost. I, I know we all need the Holy ghost. Like I, right, I will say, right. I will say this, man. Um, we got, we got a word from the Lord um, in a staff meeting um, probably about three months ago. And the Lord spoke something clear. And, and this is, it was, it was corrective, but it was healing at the same time. Mm-hmm. And he spoke to us and said, uh, and just spoke to me and said, uh, said, Jason, you do the first half of Acts 2 really well, but you don't do the second half really well. Wow. And in other words, we do good seeing firefall. We do good seeing, you know, people speak in tongues and, and we see we do really good with with prophesying and all of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But the second half was they broke bread house to house and Come they on, they man. committed to the apostles' doctrine and they were praying to get like so we we just made a hard uh, decision that we're, hey we're gonna we're gonna do both and um, it's not either or that we're gonna both have groups and we're gonna do all that and we're gonna but we're also but we can't neglect and this is this is the the problem I think a lot of people have. Um, I believe in systems. God's a God of systems. When he, cre- mm-hmm. when he spoke order into chaos, systems were established, ecosystems and right. solar system. And we have digestive systems. Everything that has mm-hmm. life has a system to it. That's so good. And so I think that for us as a church, we need that. But if we're not careful, we pivot so hard to try to figure out the second half of Acts 2 that we forget about the first half. Mm-hmm. And so we, we start getting the systems in place, but we leave the spirit because the spirit is not something it's not the person we can tame. Um, you know, he blows where he wants to blow. He, he right. goes where he, wants right. to go. he does what he wants to do. Mm-hmm. Now while I understand there's order to it. Um, I've seen God do more in one moment of a miraculous touch from heaven than I could have ever generated with three lifetimes mm-hmm. of religious activity and just doing church paradigms. Right. Right, man. That's so good. So good. Uh, to wrap all what of what we just said in in one sentence, we need the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need the Holy Ghost. <laughs> we need the Holy Amen. Ghost. We all need the Holy Ghost. Um, so, uh, also, we're talking about spirit filled situations, man. I I just want to push people to uh, Pastor Jason's podcast. You know, if you're a young pastor or a pastor pastoring a spirit filled church out there, I want you to go check out 
his episode on growing a spirit-filled church on the Jason Daldrill podcast, man. That is some incredible nuggets in there, man. I, I, that's That podcast, man, that one episode has had a huge impact on me, brother. And uh, I wow. appreciate you for that. And I want to want to push our listeners, if you can, go check out his podcast and listen to that. So our next segment, man, is what today is all about, dude. I'm, I'm, I'm so pumped on this, man. Um, we're going to talk about um, the prophetic right now and like what is going on in the prophetic. It seems like right now in the season that we are in, there is a huge attack on the office of the prophet. And it's just, I think it's gotten a little bit crazy. I think there maybe even needs to be some correction uh, in love about or to the office of the prophet as well. I think we're in agreement with that, right, Jason, that, um, you know, that, that, that is something that, that could be adjusted sure. uh, as well, that, that could make the fivefold fold together. I mean, the fivefold it's supposed to be like this and work in unison together and not backbiting or pointing fingers at one office or the other. Yes, we understand there's times of correction and we get that, but man, these are offices that are supposed to be um, going together. And I'm going to read something real quick from our good friend, uh, Pastor uh, Bishop Kevin Wallace um, out of Chattanooga. And uh, this is kind of what sparked this yesterday. Some folks got on my Facebook and we're just going round and round on this stuff. You got to love Facebook, right? Come on, somebody. I mean, oh, uh, you love, love Facebook theologians. It's awesome. Uh, so those, he said this, Kevin said this, uh, and then I'm going to let you kind of uh, run off with this. So those going after prophets should be careful. If a prophet misses it, then judge the prophecy, correct the prophet who missed it and restore them in the grace of God. Those calling for the stoning of a person who missed it are operating in an Old Testament paradigm that creates a test them, them, they themselves cannot pass or live by. Despise not prophesying is not a suggestion, it is a command. We need true prophets now more than ever. If, we, if the prophet misses a word leads to damage credibility, then the bishops and apostles have contributed their fair share to any mess we are in. The adultery, affairs, women on the side, financial impropri impropriety, I'd say we need to uh, get the speck out of our own eye before we go maligning prophets. The conversations are carnal. So powerful. The conversations are carnal. Calling people out by name seems brave, but you should be cautioned that what you expose in others may one day be found in you. Love covers. We all need to humble ourselves and repent. And uh, we got to talking about that yesterday. I know you're good friends with Bishop Kevin Wallace and you know, you mind to elaborate on that a little bit and kind of like where we're at, where you feel like we're going, what we need to do and just where, where you feel about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I feel a lot about this. Um, and I feel a lot about this really that started about two years ago. So this is before what we're facing right now that I started noticing some, some things in, in the, um, the office of prophets in our nation, especially, um, I did have a conversation just via text with Kevin the other night. Kevin is a great friend and he and I are on the same page. So I want to be clear kind of before I start unpacking some of my views on this, that I'm not um, saying anything against what, what Bishop Wallace said. He and I are great friends. Um, I think some of what the prophets are experiencing right now is self-inflicted. Mm -hmm. I think that the, the lack of grace, the lack of love, in the way many of them have approached their office over the last few years, really, 
and their attacks on the church verbally and on leadership in the church. I'm not talking about calling the church higher. I'm not talking about even correction right, right. at times. I'm talking about the mean spiritedness of it. Yeah. Um, I think that has caused pent up frustration in the hearts of church leaders and church members that now that they're in a place, they're wanting to retaliate, but a kingdom response is not retaliation. It's restoration. Come on, man. And so that's where I feel like we've got to get to. I, I think that the issue with the office of prophet is a couple of things. I think that one, so many people that have prophetic mantles on their life, that office and that ministry has been rejected by the most part by the church. Mm. So many of those people are prophesying out of a heart of rejection and a heart of woundedness. Mm. And so their prophecies come across as retaliation to a church that rejected them. So if mm. you rejected me, then I've got to ostracize you and how wrong you are. And, and so it's kind of this back and forth tension between the church and the prophets. Mm. The other aspect of that is that the apostle has not risen to, to take its, his place or her place in whatever position God's called that office into and to see that order is being set in the church. So you have a lot of prophets that have no covering and have no accountability that with the, the, the technology we have of social media today, they can say things and there's not accountability there. And if I, if I get to go in too long, Pastor Kelly, shut me down. Okay? No, dude, you keep running, man. <laughs> yeah. So, so there's this issue of social media. And so what happens is if you look in the Old, Old Testament, which by the way, let me say this, I think that, I don't think anybody wants to stone anybody. I don't think anybody really wants to do that. But I think that um, there doesn't need to be Old Testament, um, you know, accountability the way that they had it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I don't think prophets under the new covenant walk in Old Testament authority the way they walked in it. Mm. And so the reason that Old Testament authority was so powerful is Old Testament accountability was so severe. Right. And so, so it's good. a little different in the new covenant. And we can talk about that here in just a moment. Right. But as far as social media, prophets are putting things out there. A lot of what was prophesied by prophets throughout the biblical narrative was contextual. It was specific, um, and it was for a moment. Mm-hmm. But the shotgun blast approach of many prophets, and, and many of them just trying to get a word, they're trying to create content to get it out there. Mm-hmm. They're putting stuff out there that maybe fits one situation but doesn't fit another. Mm-hmm. And maybe applies here but doesn't apply there. So what they indirectly aren't meaning to do is maybe they've got a word about the way that the church is being, but they release that, then it plants seeds in the hearts of all these church members, and their church is really just loving Jesus and trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. Then this disgruntledness rises up and this division rises up, so it becomes weapons Mm -hmm. that disgruntled members use against their church and their church leaders. Mm -hmm. So there's all of that going on. The other part of it is people are are starting to put pressure on the prophets to produce. Mm -hmm. And, And so what happens is... People are, I know people who do this. They, they treat prophetic words like a horoscope. Mm. And so they get on and they try to find a prophetic word. They haven't opened their Bible in, in weeks, but they're, they're trying to find a word because they want to get through the day. Mm. And so what happens with that is, is they do that and it may not be for them. You know, it may be a word for someone else, but it doesn't apply to them and they try right. to take it for themselves. So that becomes an issue. The pressure for content is there because many of these, of, of the, the prophets, their ministry is not sustained by a local church or something else. It's they're on their own out there. So there's the pressure for funds, the pressure for content, for to putting stuff out there. 
And then you have to think, well, when does it become a, a part where they fall into Ezekiel 13, that they're generating things from their own heart mm. and hoping that God will confirm it. Mm. So I, I think there's a lot of slippery slopes. I think at the end of the day, um, I think there does need to be accountability, but at the end of the day, it needs to be just like there's accountability in every office. Right. I right. think every single office, there needs to be a fresh dose of medicine that we take and humility that rises up in our hearts um, that allows us to say, Lord, I don't have this all figured out. We need each other. We're not, right. we're not attacking or against each other. The fivefold needs to work together right. um, so that we can see unity in the body of Christ. And, and if we don't do that, if it stays the prophets prophesying against the pastors and the churches and the pastors bashing the prophets and isolating them, um, you know, and the apostles not stepping into the, I, I just think we're really missing it right there. I don't think this can be all pointed to the prophets right now. I think this is a moment in time that this is coming to a head that points to the church to say, we've got to figure out where we've missed it. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's so good, man. Thank you for, for sharing your heart on that, man. That's, that's so on point. I, well, that, that next thing I want to talk about, you kind of mentioned it in, in, in that segment they're talking, but that old Testament paradigm and the new Testament paradigm, I mean, what are we talking about there? You know, Kevin mentioned it. What, what is it that we're talking about with Old Testament prophecy and the paradigm of that and the New Testament? What's, what's the difference there? Can you share that with us a little bit? Yeah. Well, man, there's a lot of differences, but I, I'll just say, I'll say a few things. Again, I alluded to it earlier. Um, the, New Testament, the New Testament prophet doesn't necessarily walk in, and I'm not saying same level. I'm saying same type of authority. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They, they, they walk in a different kind of kingdom authority. Mm-hmm. But when you look in the old covenant, there was a kingdom and that kingdom was Israel. So it was normal to have a national prophet right. that was speaking to that kingdom because the kingdom of God at that point in time was represented by Israel. When you go to new covenant and you go to Acts chapter one, um, Jesus just got through speaking to the disciples about the kingdom and the disciples tried to turn it back to a national conversation. They says, well, you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel. Right. right. Well, Jesus um, gave them a, a new vision for what it was going to look like. He says, and right, right there, two verses later, he says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and uh, you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Yeah. So basically they went into the, the conversation wanting the restoration of a nation, but Jesus switched the conversation to the redemption of the nations. Mm. And, and I think, mm. so that's a different paradigm, even to look through who you're prophesying to, that it's not just a, a natural nation that has been ordained as God's nation, but rather it is a people that are other, the others. We are the kingdom witnesses. We represent a kingdom that's not of this world. Mm-hmm. Jesus said that if my kingdom was of this world, my, my followers would fight and would let you arrest me. He said that to Pilate in John 18. Right. So right. I think for us, understanding the kingdom we're part of, how it's different, is foundational to understand the paradigm in which prophecy takes place. The other aspect of it is this. They, the people didn't hear from God on their own in the Old Testament. Moses prayed. He says, I pray that, oh, all your people would prophesy. Mm-hmm. And the answer to Moses' prayer is prophesied in Joel chapter 2. Right. The last day says, God, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. You go into the new covenant, we now, now have the Holy Spirit. We not only have the priesthood, but we have the prophethood of all believers, not in the office of a prophet, but the prophethood in the sense that we can hear from God and we can speak God's words. And mm-hmm. so understanding that, it doesn't make the prophet a sole source of hearing from God. 
Um, right. And we can't treat them like that as it was in the old covenant. Right. Then you go to the law and grace, the old covenant, they were prophesying under the law. Mm-hmm. And in the new covenant, they're prophesying under grace. Now, grace is a word that's been abused a lot. I'm not saying it's gumdrops and lollipops for everybody and we can right. do whatever right. we want to do, but it's a different paradigm for prophecy. And that paradigm for prophecy is explained and unpacked when it says that prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. These are three elements that should mark any prophetic word that is released by a prophet or anyone prophesying in the church. Mm. It should bring edification. It should build up. Mm-hmm. It should bring exhortation. That means there is instruction involved. Right. And it should bring comfort. It should be at a thing where it makes people, um, it, it's not browbeating people. It's not tearing people down. It is calling the things and, and, and confronting things, sometimes in, in a bold and forceful way, but always giving hope. And, and I think that that's what we've got to do in a New Testament paradigm. Now, um, you may get into this a moment. If you do, I apologize. I will say um, that the way that we've approached prophecy is, is a little bit extreme, even when you look at my old covenant standards to say that if they miss it and doesn't come to pass, then, then stone them or they're a false prophet. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some other ways in, in which they were markers, and you, I'm sure you have some you'd like to share that you've noticed, but one of the ones I noticed is in Ezekiel 13 where it says they were prophesying out of their own hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and hoping that God would confirm what they're saying. So basically, they were they were saying what they wanted to happen and hoping it would stick. Right, right. Um, which mm-hmm. is which is obviously not good. Mm-hmm. But then there's other times, like you look at Jonah. Jonah prophesied that in 40 days Nineveh was going to be destroyed. It didn't get destroyed in 40 days because the people repented. So there's times that prophecy is declarative and is deterministic. This is mm-hmm. what's going to happen. There's times that prophecy is released. And it is an opportunity and a window for people to repent and turn. And what happens will not, you know, as prophesied, will not happen. So it just depends on how God's doing it. And just like many of the things right now that's been said, it could have been an opportunity, could have been God's will. I don't know. We have to test that and pray about it. Mm. But I think that we can't just say, well, if it didn't come to pass, that's not of God. That's not, that's not an, it, the metric by which prophecy is determined. On, especially in the New Testament under the especially dispensation the of grace, like what, we're just talking about that's what's been so nerve wracking to me. It's like, if they miss it one time, yeah, we understand y'all aren't going to physically stone them. Cause then we know, you know, you're breaking law Romans 13, you're going to jail for murder. Somebody, we get all that. We, we, that's common sense. Right. But you can stone somebody with your words and discreditation and, and just trying to destroy somebody and tell them to shut up, sit down. You don't have a place in the church because yeah. You missed this one time. Forget the fact that you've had a hundred other prophecies that are accurate, correct, that you heard from the Lord. But this one time, oh, Joker, you're you're finished, man. You're yeah. you're done. You're a false prophet. You have no place in the church. You're going to hell. You've put God's name on this. Like that's that Old Testament paradigm that that I'm talking about. That's so frustrating. It's just like it's just craziness that some people are treating the office of the prophet in this type of fashion under the disp as like did people not understand what the dispensation of grace actually means um and what you said is so so good about that uh there was a heavier weight on an old testament prophet all right you miss it brother you are getting stoned because that's the law right yeah, yeah under yeah, the yeah. dispensation of grace it is that is not the case so the the weight or level of authority in the sense that you shared, not that they're not as important or whatever you want. You know, some people would get in their feelings about that, but whatever. 
but it's not even, it's not about that. You're not getting killed if you miss it, bro. <laughs> you know? And it's just different. Yeah. It's just different. It's, it's not better, worse. It's just different. And, and, and I think also like, and I want to say this, I know, I know there's people, obviously this is a charisma podcast network podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but the reality that a lot of prophetic people connect with that and to all the prophetic people that are, that are listening to this and to all the prophetic people that are listening and please hear what I'm saying here. You're not helping yourself by being mean spirited. And when you prophesy, Come on, um, man. and so like, I just want to say directly, you're missing it mm. when you browbeat the bride. Mm. Um, and, and, and I want you to get that when we talk about fruit of the spirit, Prophets are not exempt from kindness. That, that, <laughs> Come that, on, man. That, that's fruit of the spirit, yo. Amen. So if you don't speak Amen. with the spirit, have the fruit of the spirit. And and so, and I would say to those that are non-prophets, like you've got to give place. We we just launched something in our church and, and we're organizing it right now for prophetic training for people who feel called. And because I, I told our staff, I said, I'm not going to feel this burden about there needing to be reformation in the prophetic office if we're not going to put our money where our mouth is and, and really on, yeah. back it up with action to give place for those people who feel prophetic. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, I want to give office to the prophet and those that are gifted prophetically. Um, but I also think we've got to, we've got to revision it for how it can look healthy and how it can look productive and how it can build life, not just be very opinionated and rant about things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, there's this, uh, I'm just thinking we were talking earlier about, facebook prophets and there's no accountability no covering there's one guy he's on my facebook he literally never says anything that's edifying to the church right it's literally 100 of the time correction and god loved the brother i know he loves the lord i know he is wanting to reach people and he's wanting to help uh you know people and call them to holiness and righteousness and those are all good things but man, like you said, that edification of the church, that's the whole purpose of, of the prophetic, of prophecy, especially in the New Bro, Testament, to call you higher, right? Call you, literally, the word parakaleo in the Greek. Mm-hmm. Para, and it says the word encouragement. And when, when you get the word parakaleo, it's literally to call out kaleo, para, alongside, to call out alongside. When someone prophesies, you should speak to something that's been dormant inside somebody's spirit and call it alive. Come and on, call man. that potential to the surface and activate somebody. It says, remember the gifts that you received with the laying on of hands and the prophecy mm-hmm. of the elder. Like you, right, like you right. received some kind of impartation or some kind of stirring. That, that was in Timothy's life. Right. He received something from mm-hmm. them and, and the prophetic word spoken over him. We, we should be more in the, in the process of speaking and seeing purpose be awakened in the hearts and lives of people, not just trying to drop punishment on a church that we've been jaded or frustrated with. Come on, man. That's, that's so good. That kind of leads me into my, my next uh, question here. It's, it's kind of a, a two-parter, I guess you could say we can handle one at a time, but so let's clarify too with the church, somebody who is operating with the gifting of prophecy that is not the same as being a prophet. Can you can you share a little bit on that? We talked a little yeah. bit about that. I mean, because that's a gift of the spirit, but that doesn't qualify you as a prophet. And people can operate in the prophetic. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and I'll and I'll say this real quick before I say that. Just sure, yeah, go ahead. Clear. I think many of our churches 
have gone, we call it seeker sensitive, whatever you want to call it. They go extreme hyper grace, extreme mm-hmm. hyper seeker sensitive, whatever. I, I know those are labels and I don't want to just label and that's not a lot of time to explain that, but I'll just say this. A lot of those went to those extremes because we lost prophetic voices. Mm. So we need, we, I just want to be clear. We need the prophets. Right. Right. Amen. I want to say yeah. that. So yeah. beyond that, I have a little bit of a, of a unique view on the fivefold. Um, I don't know if it's unique. It's just, it's, the way I see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in the fivefold, I, I think that those, obviously you have the gifts of the spirit, which are, you know, listed in first Corinthians 12, the gifts of the father, which are listed in Romans 12. And you have the gifts of the son, which are the Ephesian four gifts, which are the gifts, the fivefold gifts. Mm-hmm. And so understanding that I believe that um, the office of a prophet is not just to prophesy. It's to oversee people who prophesy. Mm. So, so check mm. this out. So, so the Good. gift of an apostle is to set order and to raise up and release the, you know, evangelist shouldn't just be the only one reaching lost people. They should raise up people that are passionate for evangelism and gifted at evangelism. Mm. Right. Teachers right. should raise up teachers. I'm talking about the, the office gift. Right. Right. When you're in an office that says he gave those for the equipping of the saints of the work of ministry. Fivefold people are not called to do the work. Hmm. Fivefold people are called to raise up people that will do mm. the work. That's so, so, good. Yeah. so when you talk about a prophet, you're talking about a mother or father in the faith that is raising up a pro- multiple prophetic voices within mm-hmm. a church to prophesy. Now, will they prophesy? Sure. But mm-hmm. to raise up people that will prophesy, that doesn't mean they're a prophet. It means that they're uh, walking out what God said they would do when the Holy Spirit came upon them that sons and daughters would prophesy. Right. The prophet is the one that is supposed to, to be able to cultivate that at the highest level. And so it, again, it doesn't mean everyone is a prophet um, and everyone that, that prophesies um, isn't a prophet. Uh, I believe prophet in the fivefold sense, again, is an office that God uses to raise up people in that gifting and grace for the church. That's so good, man. That's so good. So I think we've kind of covered this too. We do believe that there is grace for the prophet or somebody operating yes. in the prophetic, right? I mean, we're, yes. we're in agreement with that, right? Yeah, we are, we are. Listen, we are 100 gazillion percent in agreement. There needs to be grace. Um, what I want, the reason I say what I say in this podcast is I want there to be a healthy direction forward for us all to work together to be the church God has called us to be. But right now, in season, right now, word. We need to extend grace, love, and show show the prophets what grace looks like. Right. Don't just demand them to give grace, mm-hmm. but model grace for them. And that's by yeah. extending them in this season. They need it. And, and let's just say yeah. this. I don't think it's necessarily – a lot of people are thinking it's just based on the election prophecies and all of that stuff and the red wave. Pro- this has been an ongoing thing for a couple of years. I mm-hmm. think there needs to be reformation in it. But mm-hmm. I think in the midst of it, we need to extend grace and we need to extend love it doesn't help anybody. I don't know anybody whose mind has ever been changed because of a Facebook post. Um, and so I don't know anybody that's like, right, oh God, right. I never thought of that. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. So like <laughs> getting on and bashing people openly isn't the thing. I think we've got to, yeah. we've got to paint a picture of a possibility mm-hmm. rather than throw stones at prophets. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, one of the things that, that was frustrating with me on the prophets and the hope there's this whole situation with the prophetic office and all that, but you, we just can't pick which fivefold ministry to show grace to. I mean, we can show grace right. to the mega church pastor who had an affair on the side and the chick on the side and was doing drugs and this, that, and the third and restore him in a year or two or whatever it is that hap- that happens. But then if a prophet misses a word one time that we just, you know, oh, he's a false prophet, can't do this. Uh, and then also the prophets coding their messages in grace and in love and in edification of the church is something that, uh, you know, over the last two years, I, I think I'm in agreement with you that that's something that that needed to be and has needed to be reconstructed um, and rebuilt. Um, so. You said yeah, something. Man. You said something before our conversation that I thought was mm-hmm. uh, we got on the the podcast mm-hmm. is that um, the importance of repentance and humility, mm-hmm. and and I think that whether it's a mega church pastor that has an affair, whether it is a prophet that misses it, uh, whether it's an evangelist that splits a church, whatever it is, I think that that the the goal if someone misses it is should not be the penalty box. Mm-hmm. The goal should be restoration. Um, right. and, and I think too many people are punitive and not restorative in their view mm-hmm. of how we deal with people. Um, obviously, there's a, a well-known megachurch pastor in New York that we just you know, found out that uh, was having multiple affairs and, and got let go by, by mm-hmm. this church. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's, he's owning it. Seems like he's repenting from it. But he stepped down. There was accountability there. He stepped right. down. From- right. And I think that that's, that's good and healthy for the church to see that. Right. I think that there's, there's a part, and this is the thing with leadership, that um, there's times when correction has to come openly because of the health of the church. And it talks about sure. that in, in yeah. the epistles. Amen. So for me, at the end of the day, man, um, we've got to extend grace, but we've got to see a, a path forward for restoration in all five uh, and not just the, the offices for every person that walks through the doors and or that becomes a part of the ecclesia. We've got to have a heart for for restoration for them. So good, man. So good, man. Pastor Jason, brother, thank you so much for for being on today, man. I I, um, I really think that this is going to be eye opening uh, for a lot of our listeners, folks that have been dealing with uh, the, the topic of the, of the prophetic and prophecies. And it's just it's just a hot topic right now. Like you said, I think this has been building up over the last couple of years. But I think, you know, just being honest with this election, man, it's it's really had some things. It's just come to a head. And it's like, you know, we got to we got to talk about these things. That's why yesterday, man, when I was texting, I was like, bro, let's just let's just get on here. Let's share the truth about this stuff in grace, humility, and love, um, but also in in the uh, in the correcting in the sense of look, guys, we're better than this. That's that's you know one thing I I think that um, me and you have so much in common, man. Is you know I speak and I, I'll preach. I try to be a balanced preacher, in the sense of I try to talk about grace, but I'll call out sin at the same time. Yes, sir. And you gotta, you gotta be balanced, right? Proverbs says an unbalanced life is an abomination to God. So guess what that means? An unbalanced ministry is an abomination to God. An unbalanced church is an abomination to God. Unbalanced preaching is an abomination to God, right? So, 
So trying to be balanced in that sense, it's, it's that's what we're saying today, right? That That's what we're Absolutely. getting at today. We need balance in the fivefold. We need each other. We need the prophets. We need to humble ourselves. We need to repent when we need to repent. We need to love. We need to operate in grace and humility. And God will show up in the middle of that and use it incredibly. And then we will be the ecclesia, the called out ones, and God will change this earth with those of us who are left here representing him, man. An incredible, incredible interview today, brother. I love you, man. Thank you so much for coming on. Tell our listeners how they can connect with you real quick on social media or your ministries or any other outlets that you got. Yeah, um, we take cash out. We take money <laughs> by mail. I'm just joking. Um, no, dude, we, you can check us out. JasonDaughter.com is my website. Uh, GTWI um, uh, Church on social media. You can go to Gateway Shelbyville on, on social media or just at Jason Daughter. The best way to connect with me is probably social media on Instagram or, or Facebook. Um, you can go to Jason Daughter Ministries. I think I'm at the 5,000 friend limit. So you go there to, to connect with me. But I would just love to connect with folks, love kingdom people, love people hungry for God. And uh, that's why I love you, man. Awesome, man. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming on the show today to our listeners. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, Connect with us. We love you guys and we will see y'all next week. Thank you for listening to the Recovery to Recover podcast. If you like what you heard today, visit BeTheBushMinistries.com or MiriamHouse.com to become a monthly partner or for more info about our ministry and what we are accomplishing for the kingdom of God. You can also follow me on Facebook at Caleb McCall or on Instagram at Pastor Caleb Mack. See you next week.